This morning I'll be reading from the book of Romans, chapter 15, verses 14 through 22. I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. Yet I have written you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again, because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, by the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem all the way around to to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. This is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. It's good to be together. My name is Josiah. I'm our college minister here at ECC, and it's fun to see friends back visiting for the holidays, and I know that we have some visitors with us here this morning as well. We're so glad to have you here. Uh, I want to see a show of hands. How many of you made it to midnight last night? Don't be shy. Raise those hands. Wow. We did pretty well. I read that about 70% of Americans uh, make it to midnight. I myself was in bed at 10 o'clock, and I am hyped up on coffee. So those of you who did stay up till midnight, you better watch out. Uh, We have these screens up here, and usually we only use them for slides, but I have a plant in the congregation who's got some video wired up. And I'm going to zoom in on your faces when you fall asleep, and it's going to be projected on the screens. Wouldn't that be cruel? That would be so cruel but it would also be awesome. It would definitely make a great YouTube video. Um, This morning, we're going to be in Romans chapter 15. We had a whole sermon series on Romans this fall, but we didn't get to Romans 15 and 16. And so when I was thinking about what do I want to preach on this morning, uh, Bob and I settled here on Romans chapter 15. I'm really excited about this message I have to share with you this morning. Why don't we go to God in prayer? Father, we thank you for your word. We know that it is powerful to work in our lives today. We know that your spirit is able to speak to us. We invite you into this place. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, if you weren't here at all this fall, you're not going to be lost. You won't miss out because you didn't hear all the previous messages in this sermon because today's sermon is actually Paul's summary of sorts of his entire letter and his own life's mission. And I would really appreciate it if you would open up your Bibles. I think you'll get a lot more out of this message if you follow along through the text. Would you open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 15? We're going to be in verses 14 through 22 here this morning. So right there when we dig into the text in verses 14 and 15, we see that part of Paul's aim in writing this letter was to do what we like to call preaching to the choir. He knows these believers get the gospel. They get the gospel. They understand 
that God is our creator. He's the creator of the universe, and we were created with a knowledge of him. However, the sin that has entered into our lives keeps us from being in right relationship with him. We're a people in need of rescue. We are lost without hope apart from God. And God has not left us to ourselves. He has sent us a savior in his own son, Jesus Christ, that we who trust him in faith, we who believe might be saved. We might be forgiven of sins. We might be able to experience life in relationship with our God who created us and redeemed us. So the Romans, they understood that. Paul writes that they were filled with knowledge and competent to instruct one another. They were able to pass on the gospel message reliably to others. And he writes that they were also full of goodness, we see there in the text. What he's saying is that the good news made it to their hearts. They exhibited real transformation in their personal lives and in their community life with one another. And so these believers, they were mature and they were ready for ministry, but Paul also saw that mature as they were, ready for ministry as they were, they also had a need to be reminded once again of the foundations of their faith, the fundamentals of the Christian life. Paul writes, I was appointed to be a minister of Christ to the Gentiles. And so his role was to preach the good news to the Gentiles that they might believe in Christ, that they might have faith in the one who God sent to rescue them. But his preaching the gospel did not end at the moment they believed. God also appointed him to preach the gospel that they might keep on believing. That's why he's writing, that they might be reminded of the truths of their salvation. They need to keep on believing the good news in the midst of the challenges and distractions of life. Don't we all have that need to be reminded to be reminded of what we already know, to be reminded of what we already believe and the things that we really value. I know that I need reminders myself. I can get so distracted. I can get so busy. Just a few weeks ago, I had one of those reminder moments. My wife and I went to the movie theater and we saw the movie Allied. And so I I have to be honest, I can't give a blanket recommendation of this film, uh, especially for the younger members of our audience. That said, this movie was awesome. And I, I thought it was fascinating. It tells the story, I'm not going to give any spoilers. If you've seen a preview, you know that it tells the story of a Canadian spy and a French spy in World War II. They were allied spies. And on a mission, they fall in love with one another and they end up getting married. And about a year after they get married, um, they're living in London. And it's found out that one of the members of this couple is suspected to be a double agent. They're suspected to be a spy. And when this news breaks, the story gets crazy. Uh, there's so much tension in the plot as they try and figure out whether or not this one member of the couple is a, is a spy, is a double agent. And when that news breaks, it really puts this couple's love to the ultimate test. And so the movie is this complex situation that is both really beautiful and terrible at the same time. And it makes for a fascinating movie that you just love to watch. Uh, You can't take your eyes off of it. And so I have to tell you, I'm not usually a big crier when it comes to movies unless they involve dogs. For some reason, dogs get me. Um, But with this movie, when it came to the end of it, My wife and I, we were both just choking up at this final scene. I don't know what it was, but something in that story triggered uh, my wife and I's emotions so that we remembered how blessed we were to really be able to live life with one another. I think it's just seeing that couple, not being able to have that. It, It really triggered something inside of us that made us remember the depth of our love for one another in a powerful way. It was, it was pretty cool. 
It made us remember what we already have. Man, I sure loved my wife before we watched that movie. But sometimes in the day-to-day busyness, in the distractions that we both have, that is not the way that we communicate to each other. We can treat each other with way too much familiarity. We can take for granted the blessing that God has given us and one another. What Paul is writing here is that when it comes to the Christian life, each of us need a reminder of God's greatest blessing in our lives. Look at verse 16 there in the text. Look at verse 16. These believers needed to hear the good news continually to remember Christ's sacrifice as their basis for relationship with God. They were an offering acceptable to him, Paul writes. An offering acceptable to him. They were sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And so their gift was a, their salvation was a gift of grace. It was a gift of grace through and through. They weren't acceptable to God by their own doing. It was all because of Jesus Christ. And they needed a reminder of that, even though they already knew it. Why would they need a reminder? Because to them, the good news often sounded too good to be true. It must have been a challenge for them to remember that they had God's full favor all because of grace. It wasn't because of something they had done to merit his favor. And it wouldn't be up to them to work to maintain his favor. It was all about God's grace. Nothing that they had done in Jesus Christ. They needed to be reminded of that. And all of us Christians, we need that reminder. Not because we don't get the gospel, but because we need to see and experience that it's true Even now, it wasn't just powerful to save us in the moment we first believed. It's powerful to save us in the midst of the challenges of our life right now. In the day-to-day, God's grace changes everything. Look at verse 18. Paul was so convicted of the power of the gospel that he pointed to Jesus and said, anything good coming from my life is coming from him. He had that hope because he knew that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the grave is powerful to work in our lives, in our communities, and in our world right now. And that was a driving force behind Paul's ministry. That was the message he had to preach. I want to tell you, in the summer when I was 12 years old, I got this terrible case of poison ivy. It was so bad that my face was ridiculously swollen. It covered every inch of my body. My parents took me to the emergency room. And a man from our church was the nurse who took me in. He didn't recognize me because my face was so swollen. I literally looked like a chipmunk. And so at the hospital, they gave me a shot of of some steroid in my arm and a batch of prednisone pills to take it home. And so I took these pills, and after a few days, I was feeling a little bit better. The swelling went down. Later in that week, I had a baseball game. I was never much of a power hitter, as you might guess by looking at my current physique. But... Something was just right this day. I'd never before hit a home run, and two times in batting practice, I knocked one out of the park. And I was like, man, like, what if I could do this in a game? That would be unbelievable. So the game came, first at bat, I knocked a home run out of the park. And I was shocked. My mind was blown. I had a double later in the game. I was so impressed with my newfound power. But then after the game, I thought to myself, man, what was different about today? I know what was different about today. I took steroids all week. I was on pregnizone, and I was feeling super guilty because there was a power that was coming from within me that I knew I did not produce. You don't just become a home run hitter in one day. Now, if, if there are any doctors in the crowd, you probably know that pregnizone actually isn't going to give someone a boost in muscular power in a three-day uh, cycle of taking that drug. Um, 
All of that to say, I knew that power wasn't coming from within me. And that's exactly what Paul is saying here, except Paul was not embarrassed. He could not have been more eager to admit that the power behind his ministry, the power that made him the person he was before them, was a work of God. It was a work of God's grace. Look at the signs and miracles flowing from my life, he said. I'm eager to admit that it's not coming from within me. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, he wrote. The resurrection power at work in his life was Paul's explanation for all that God was doing in him and through him, the transformed person he was. Paul knew that. His boast was not in himself. His boast was in Christ alone. Do you remember his testimony? Listen to the words of Paul's testimony. I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, yet I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Jesus Christ. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst one. There's no confusion in Paul's story there. There's no confusion about who the hero was. Paul knew that the man he was and the work he was producing was a result of God's grace. And that knowledge, that hope that he had in Jesus Christ It spurred him on to a life of service. He was so gripped by the good news of Jesus Christ that had entered into his life that he would go to great lengths. He would give everything to be an ambassador of the good news. He was not only willing to take the good news to far off places, but the text says he was ambitious to do so. You read it there in verse 19. He says, from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you know where Illyricum is, it's in northern Albania, which I'm sure is at the top of your vacation list for this uh, winter here. That's about 1,400 miles from Jerusalem. Folks, nobody wants to go to northern Albania, um, except I googled it, and it's actually super pretty. But 1,400 miles, 1,400 miles, Paul welled up with a desire to go out to the good news. He would inconvenience himself. He would put himself in such uncomfortable places because of his conviction that the good news was good enough to give his life for it. I love the way that Paul expresses it in 2 Corinthians, this desire he had to go out. Listen to this. He says, Christ's love compels us because we are convinced he died for all and that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. God has reconciled us to himself through Christ and given us the ministry of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. I love the way he says that. If you're convinced, you're going to be compelled. If you're convinced, you're going to be compelled. And we all know how that principle works out in everyday life. I don't know about you, but if I'm going to book a hotel, I almost always get online and look at reviews of a hotel before I book it. So I love to read reviews. However, I only post a review of a hotel myself if it's either really good. If it's really good, I'll say, man, five-star review. Room was so clean. Staff was very attentive we would definitely stay here again. I'll post that review. Or if the place was terrible, like a hotel that my wife and I had in Valparaiso, Indiana this summer. Let me tell you about this hotel. We came to the front desk and we checked in. They gave us our room key. We went to our room. We opened the door and there was another couple's bags on the bed of this room that we went to check into. 
that was not a good hotel experience. So I went back to the front desk. I gave them my key. I was like, I'm sorry, sir. There's, there was already someone in our room. And he said, oh, this has never happened before. I'm so sorry. He gave us a key to another room. And so we went to this room and um, I opened the door. There were even more bags on the beds in the second room than there were on the first. And so, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty generous guy, I like to think. So I walk up to the bell at the front desk and I was not feeling generous at all. So I rang that bell and I'm like, somebody's in that room. And this guy's like, sir, I'm so sorry. For your troubles, 20% off. I'm like, 20%? Come on. You can do better than that. That's another story. That's another story. So he gave me a key to a third room, and thankfully there was no one in that third room. However, the room was 83 degrees when we walked in there. I'm just saying. And so that hotel, man, my wife and I went out of our way to leave a negative review. We were convinced that that was a poor hotel choice. And so we were compelled to write this review. Do you get what I'm saying? When you're convinced, you're going to be compelled. And how much more true is it that we're going to be compelled when our convictions are initiated by the Holy Spirit and driven by the Holy Spirit? That's what our salvation is about. It's an initiated work of God himself, and it's driven by the Holy Spirit as he lives within us. Paul was convinced of Christ. And he literally had to be tied down. He had to be tied to a guard to get him to stop going out with the good news. The gospel was a big enough deal to him that he knew those who had already believed it needed to hear it again and again. And so he did that. But he knew that he had to take it to those who had not yet seen and those who had not yet heard. That's what Paul's life was all about. What do you think about this? What do you think about this news? the good news of Jesus Christ? Have you heard it before? Have you believed? Do you believe that this news is news for you? That God has made you for relationship with him, but that your sin, your tendency to turn inward with your life focus, to live in a way that puts yourself as number one rather than God, do you believe that that's keeping you from him? Do you believe that you're in need of a savior to make you right with God? You can't do it on your own. It's only through faith in Jesus Christ that we might be able to know God, have a relationship with him, and be forgiven of our sin to live that life that he's created us to live. Do you believe that? Will you follow him in faith? If you've never answered that question yes before, man, what better day would it be to choose to trust Christ than New Year's Day? This could be New Life Day for you. This could be that day. Will you make that choice? Will you trust Jesus Christ? Will you respond to the good news? the one that God has sent to seek and save you, I, save you. Jesus Christ wants to have a relationship with you. Will you follow him today? Maybe you, maybe you said yes to that years ago. Maybe you've answered that question yes, but you've lost sight of the story. Maybe you're living by faith in yourself rather than trusting Christ in the day-to-day. Maybe you're living dependent on yourself. Maybe you understand the story in your head, but you're not accepting it in your heart. Maybe it's all up here. God, I get it, but it's not making it home. Will today be a day where the good news becomes good news for you? Will you accept that this is truth for you? It's not just truth for you to share with your coworkers or share with your neighbors. This is truth for you that changes you, changes your life every day, no matter what you're going through. 
Maybe you feel like your present circumstances are more than you can handle. They're more than God can handle. Will you believe that the power that raised Jesus Christ from the grave is powerful to work in your own life even now? I believe that. Paul was convinced of the gospel. He understood it, he believed it, and he experienced it to be true and the living out of his life. And that compelled him to live on mission. If you share that conviction, you know God has a mission for you in your own life. And so this morning, I want to ask you, how is God leading you to serve as an ambassador for Jesus Christ? How's he leading you to be a representative of Jesus Christ here in 2017? To whom is he sending you? And what opportunities will you have to make the grace and truth of Jesus Christ known in your life and what you say and do this year? And it's really important for me to actually take a minute and step back and think about those questions because I can become so overwhelmed with my to-do list and the things right in front of me that I don't think big picture about what I'm really trying to accomplish. Let me ask you again, to whom is God sending you and what opportunities will you have to make the grace and truth of Jesus Christ known in your life? Paul was a man with a plan when it came to living out Jesus Christ to living on mission for Jesus Christ in his own life. If you look at that last part of verse uh, chapter 15 there, Paul kind of lays out his short-term plan for ministry. You read it there. He says, I'm going to deliver this offering in Jerusalem, and then I'm going on to preach in Spain, and then I hope to come and see you in Rome. He was a man with a plan when it came to living on mission for God. And so I want you to think about that. What does it look like for you to be an ambassador of Jesus Christ in your life Where is he sending you? What opportunities are in front of you to make the grace and truth of Jesus Christ known in what you do and say? I want to challenge you today to make a short list of specific goals at some point in this day. Maybe while you're reflecting when we take communion here in just a few minutes, or maybe later this afternoon. Make a short list of goals for how you'd like to pursue God's mission in your life this year. That really is an exercise to make us think about what we're actually pursuing. Writing something down makes us think about what we're actually trying to accomplish and how we can make progress on those goals. And so I'd encourage you, write those goals down and then share your goals with a close friend or maybe your spouse. Someone who can encourage you and keep you not only accountable to them, but accountable to remembering that it's only by God's grace at work in your life and it's his power at work within you that's going to allow you to accomplish those goals. So please, Make the most of this year as an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Believe the good news. Make those goals and let's help each other out as we pursue God's mission together. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word that points us to where life is actually found. God, when we put ourselves at the center of the story, we become uh, people turned inward like an ingrown nail, God. We only hurt ourselves. But when we look outward, when we remember the good news of the God who has come to rescue us and how that changes that we view the purpose of our lives, it's not all about us. It's about how we can be people who reach out with the grace we've been given to make your name and your glory known. God, that changes our lives. That makes life so much more exciting for us. We're a part of something bigger than ourselves. God, in a world that is broken, in a world that needs hope, in a world where we can easily become overwhelmed with despair, we remember that we are a resurrection people and that the power that raised Jesus Christ from the grave is the power that will eventually raise us from the grave and that works within us even now, God. So help us to be ambassadors of the good news. Help us to love the people you've put us in community with this year here at this church, in the places we work, in the places we serve, God, that we might make your name known for the glory of Jesus Christ in whose name we pray together. 
Amen.